fireballs, lightning, and flying cars fill a night sky on my television screen. I knew I was getting ready to absorb a work of fiction when I sat down to watch Blade Runner, but it was still 2020 at the time. So let's just say I would not have been too surprised if it were just live coverage from outside my window. Ridley Scott's film begins. I never knew he directed this and had only ever associated his name to Gladiator. The future is depicted in this 1982 film and watching it now, almost 40 years after its release, I can say it's not too far off. A young and brooding Harrison Ford fills the frame with his presence, one I've come to know since I saw all Star Wars movies for the first time in the last year or so. A blue, dark, and chaotic city atmosphere is quickly established, perhaps the director of photography's idea of a grim and distant future. Blade Runner takes place in 2019. It is a story about genetically engineered beings having been created for labor by a man who goes by Tyrell. He's at the head of a corporation by the same name who puts these slave robots to work on other planets. The robots, known as replicants, are virtually identical to humans as the introduction of the film reveals, and they are superior in strength and agility, and at least equal in intelligence to the genetic engineers who created them. After the Tyrell Corporation issues the Nexus 6 phase of replicants, a violent group forms within them, and an attack leads to their permanent exile from Earth. But with them being so human-like, Vengeful replicants, or peaceful ones who want to live on Earth, tend to go unnoticed. Upon suspicion, they are pursued and interviewed by, you guessed it, Blade Runners, a special task force whose purpose is to detect and kill replicants. Detection is easy for good Blade Runners, like our protagonist, Rick Deckard. If you hadn't guessed, Rick is played by Harrison Ford. Although he's supposed to be one of the best Blade Runners, as we are told by a lieutenant who wants to hire him right out of retirement, he does not seem to be up for a new adventure at first. But once he's in, he's in. After being convinced, he meets Rachel at Tyrell's offices. He's there to figure out if she is a replicant or not. This is a sort of test. Perhaps he has to prove himself to the father of all replicants. After a long interview, he comes to the conclusion that she isn't human, but only voices his findings once she's left the room. She doesn't even know. In conversation with Tyrell, Rick learns that he has tried something rather risky. He has implanted memories into replicants, making them even more human, layered, complex, confused, and most importantly, dangerous. 
The fear of man-made AI developing emotions and going rogue was depicted in other classics I had seen after Blade Runner was released. I'm talking iRobot, Transcendence, heck, Big Hero 6. Okay, not classics per se, but it's safe to say that the increasing presence of robots among us can feel a little unnerving at times. So I understand why it's been explored in so many books and movies. If you're not nervous and want to stay that way, don't watch the Metalhead episode of Black Mirror. Really, don't do it. Season 4, Episode 5. But I digress. Of course, Rick meets Rachel again, and they form a bond, a sort of unconventional, romantic relationship, only a somewhat remorseful Blade Runner and the replicant he's chosen to protect would have. Rick doesn't outright reveal to Rachel that she might not be what she thought she was all along, but he pushes her towards the truth, although she was already starting to suspect as much. He tells her that he might not go after her, but perhaps other Blade Runners would. Although Rick is attracted to Rachel and seems to feel sorry for her predicament, he continues to investigate and hunt down other replicants. This puts him on the path of a gang of violent replicants. They will stop at nothing to get to Tyrell. They are less than happy with the life they have not chosen and the very short lifespan they have been given. They seek their maker for a confrontation, revenge, but most importantly, because they want more time. Will the replicant's maker survive the uprising? After violent altercations with them, will Rick emerge unscathed? The end of Blade Runner will answer those questions for you. Actually, whether you're watching the director's cut, final cut, or other versions, you will get some answers. No spoilers from me today, but here's a hint. The end of this movie might be a bit more ambiguous than you'd expect when it comes to some of the main characters' true nature. I enjoyed watching Blade Runner. It made me think quite a bit about sci-fi from books and movies that either seemed to predict the future or rather informed technology and design as we know it today. I loved that a tale about robots was still rooted in human desire and connection. The film noir themes and aesthetics weren't lost on me, but with what I have in store for next week's episode, I thought it'd be best to save it for now. I recently had the pleasure of joining the hosts of another movie podcast called I Drink Your Podcast. Their show is a pleasure to listen to, and I highly recommend it. They tackle a variety of 2007 films with guests, reviews, fun segments, and games. I was featured on their latest episode about the movie Fracture. You can find it and many other episodes on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for having me. I'm your host, Lorianne, and thank you for listening. Tune in next week for the last episode of season one of all the classics I've never seen. We'll be looking at the film noir genre and one of its iconic classics, 
Sunset Boulevard. Ready for your close-up? 